Pete Kingman here. Bible Story Evangelism. Today we're going to take a look at 1 John 5, 7, which says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. I chose this verse to memorize because when I was teaching the Bible to kids at Florida Christian School, mostly in the last uh, oh, five years, six, six, five or six years of my, my teaching, 31 years at Florida Christian, I got to teach mostly Bible, which I really relished and learned a tremendous amount by teaching the Bible. But anyway, um, you know, I always wondered, what would I say when, when a kid said, well, you know, what about the Trinity? The word Trinity is in the Bible. Well, here it's about as close as it can be, I guess. Um, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And you go, well, what, who's the Word? Well, if you're a student of the, the Gospel of John or John's writings, which are the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation, uh, you would know that in John chapter 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 of chapter 1 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So you have to deal with that. If, you're a, if you know a Unitarian, if you are a Unitarian, if you talk to a Jehovah Witness, no one, or any other group, there are a lot of uh, other religions that, that deny the deity of Christ, um, world religions. Um, I guess you could say that, uh, the Jewish faith has, has trouble with that, although there are quite a few that have figured it out. They just might be keeping it to themselves, but um, uh, Muslims the same way. There are some that Christ is mentioned 25 times. Jesus is mentioned 25 times in the Quran. Muhammad, four times. I heard a, a, a guy on the internet, he passed away, a young man. Uh, some of you know who I'm talking about. He, uh, just a great Christian apologist. But he said he came to the Lord by reading the Quran. And uh, he said, this is, this is deity. Anyway, um, it, another passage in John is John 10, 28. Jesus, it's the Good Shepherd discourse. And Jesus says, uh, speaking of his sheep, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I always like to say that the, the Greek word for never in John 20, 10, 28, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. It means never. I usually say it a little louder than that. But um, at any rate, um, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. When I illustrate this, I raise my left elbow towards the ceiling, probably about a 45 degree angle because I'm old and non-flexible. And the other, my left elbow points to the ground and my hands interlock at the wrist. And I, I say, when I bring my hands together, I grab a hold with the, the hand coming up. I say, when you trust Christ, it's like this. You grab a hold of him. And then the other hand coming down from above closes on my wrist. And he grabs a hold of us. I have, I, probably most people have let go of Christ different times in their life and wanted to go their own way. He will never let go of you. He won't necessarily 
uh, pull you back, but he will go with you. And anyway, he will chasten you and he will correct you. And uh, just like a loving parent would do when you don't do what's right. And I can tell you about malaria in Panama in 79. And uh, that was a, a turning point in my life. I started working at getting out of the army at that point in 79. I didn't get out until the end of 92. In fact, I think I picked the day of January 1st, 83 to be my time out. I had leave and things like that. And, and was in Bible college uh, in early January. Met Barb early January and uh, driving from Fort Campbell, Kentucky, visiting family in, in Valentine, Nebraska, and then driving my Pacer wagon down to Tampa. And we were married eight months later, Barb and I. We were married 31 years and three days. But um, why did I go there? Um, I, uh, I've covered uh, John 5.7, John 10.28, uh, 1 John, um, John 10, 28, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are, here it is, one. And then just to put the period at the end, and the Jews picked up stones to stone him for claiming to be God, to be blaspheming, which he said, Forgive them from the cross. He said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So if you can't forgive them, then you got a serious problem. Uh, in another podcast, I liken that kind of person to Adolf Hitler that tried to use that as a reason to, to kill six million Jews. Um, that's not God's way for sure. And I nailed Jesus Christ to the cross as well as anybody else. One of the great movies, The Passion of the Christ, I used to tell my students that um, Mel Gibson was uh, in that movie. And they said, you know, when he tried to sell the movie and nobody wanted to buy it, uh, and so he produced it himself and made a quarter of a billion dollars. But um, he, uh, and I, I don't want to defend Mel Gibson, but, but this is an interesting point about him. He, he was in the movie when the centurions was nailing Christ's hand to the cross. And I, I don't plan on ever watching that movie again. I, I don't think a human body could have that much blood in it. But at any rate, it was a moving representation of the death of Christ. But I think this is an interesting story that Mel Gibson said, again, people were trying to get him to be in the movie. And so he said, I am in the movie. And I would ask my students, which, which actor do you think he was? Because it was just a hand being nailed to the cross by a centurion with a hammer and a nail. And I would ask my class, which one do you think Mel Gibson wanted to be? And I usually got from, from ninth graders or a little bit of, you know, usually ninth grade and below, what, um, and they would, they would go with Christ, not all the time. But, I mean, I taught four classes a day. Sometimes I taught six Bible classes a day. 
forum of, of one thing. That's really great opportunity to learn is when you teach something four times. I had to come in when I taught the New Testament survey class, which covered every book of the Bible. And a lot of them I could cover the four one-chapter books in a week. There are four one-chapter books, Jude, Philemon, Second John, Third John. I could cover those in a week. There's four out of 27 right there in one week. But I could only, the longer books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which I got to teach the Gospels later, so I got to cover them verse by verse. But, but in that survey class, I could only do like 10 chapters of Acts, Romans, I only do 10 chapters of those. But then the shorter books, I could get them done in a week. Anyway, uh, it was a great opportunity to learn. Like the book of James, I got that one down. And you cannot understand the second half of chapter 2 without understanding eschatology, in particular the judgment seat of Christ. But I'll leave it at that for right now. I'll do a podcast on James chapter 2 one day. Faith without works is dead. And, I'll, and can faith save him? And it's a rhetorical question. And the answer is obviously no. But um, can, the key is verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 12. Speak and do, listeners, brother, 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 to James in, in chapter 2, verse 12. Speak and do as those that shall be judged by the law of liberty. We will be judged by our conduct. I was just reading a commentary today that was talking about, um, you know, there is a judgment and how important that is. And, and eternal judgments are in Hebrews 6, 1 is, 6, 2 is one of the six foundational principles of the doctrine of Christ are eternal judgments. And there's five of them. I've told you before. Let me give them to you in, I guess, chronological order. Okay, we have the judgment of Christ on the cross. And that is the only judgment that's taken place so far. We have the first, the next two that are coming in the future, both take place in and around, and I'll be ambiguous that much about it, uh, the uh, tribulation period. The judgment of the Jews takes place in the tribulation period, especially starting with the uh, three and a half year mark of the seven years, less than seven, because no one would survive if God didn't come back early. If Jesus didn't come back early, um, but uh, the the judgment of Israel for their unbelief, uh, judgment because the prince of this world is judgment, righteousness because I go uh, sin because they believe not on me, the work of the Holy Spirit. But anyway, um, they um, the judgment of the Jews is the second one, and at the same time give or take a few years, I'm not exactly sure, in heaven will be the judgment of the bride of Christ, the marriage feast of the Lamb, the Bema seat, the, the uh, judgment seat of Christ. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I, I was reading in this, this commentary about that, that, that you know, parents unconditionally, I mean, you are the father, you are the mother. It can be proven in a laboratory, whatever. I mean, nobody questions that. But that gift of life you had absolutely nothing to do with. But, but it's your life that you were given to by your parents and ultimately, I guess, by God. But uh, your fellowship with them, your relationship, your, your you know, favor, well done, my good and faithful child, that is con as conditional as can be. And we will be judged. Christians will be judged for the good and the bad that they do. Uh, read Paul in Corinthians. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 
Um, wood, hay, and stubble is burned up. Gold, silver, and precious stone endure. But if you have nothing left, you're still saved. Saved is by faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And But fellowship with the Lord, blessings of the Lord, both here and in, in eternity, are dished out at the judgment, uh, the judgment seat of Christ called the Bema Seat. The judges there will be like the judges in the Olympics, except they'll all be honest. They'll only be, well, one judge, Jehovah, Elohim, Adonai, will will judge us. And, um, and for reward in heaven. And, you know, when, when my classmate got a soldier's medal for saving someone from drowning, I was happy for him. You know, I wasn't, you know, bitter about, you know, whatever. I mean, it's ridiculous. When my classmate stood to the, to the, to the right hand of the speaker, I, I was, you know, when we got promoted to captain, I, he earned it. I was, I was on my way trying to figure out how to get in the army. He was trying to figure out how to be chief of staff and should have been a general officer, no question. But I won't mention any names here. But, but anyway, um, you know, I don't want something I didn't deserve. Heaven's going to be pretty, pretty fantastic. And yeah, I would like to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. But just being there is a whole lot better than the alternative. Because th there's a judgment of the lost at the great white throne at the end of the millennium. And that's for punishment in, in hell. And you can, you know, say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with a God that would do something like that. Would, would create people in his own image and then hold them accountable for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. I would have no use for a God that arbitrarily chose people to go to heaven and people to go to hell. I, I could not serve a God like that. But I can serve a God who says, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. All those people that, that they, they had no time to look for God. And my search for God was just pretty vague. I mean, I hated God. But I wanted to read to you the Nicene Creed, if I can find it here on my... Here it is, right here. This is the 1928 in the, the, uh, the Episcopal Book of Prayer. And it's the one I remember. I think it was rewritten in 75. But, but this was the one that I said for many years as a, an altar boy. And this is, this is the mindset I went to that Bible study in 1972 with. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead who, whose kingdom shall have no end. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life who proceedeth from the Father 
and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake, who spake by the prophets, and I believe in the, in the one Catholic and Apostolic Church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Um, you know, I can pretty much say that, that I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with all of that. One baptism for remission of sin. There are baptisms. That's another principle of the doctrine in, in, of, of Christ in, in uh, Hebrews 6.2, uh, the doctrine of baptisms. And there are sub, there's more than one. There's baptism of the Holy Spirit, the cleansing of the Holy Spirit that occurs at salvation, at the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, the moment we we uh, repent of our dead works, Hebrews 6, 1, and turn towards God in faith. And I did that with, with John three sixteen, The God that so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, I said that, that whosoever, He had me at whosoever. I said, this is it. Believeth in Him, should not perish. I'm in. I'm in. And I, I, I was practicing a little bit before I, I started, which is kind of a mistake on my part because a lot of times I skip stuff that I said in the practice that I wished I'd said when the, when the machine was running here, but, or whatever my iPhone is, um, Anchor, Anchor Podcast. But um, I, there was a girl named Sue that was, Jack Weaver talked to me for, I don't know, I think it was like an hour. I, I know everybody left. I think everything was put away. Everybody was scurrying around his house. He had three kids that lived at home and they were my age I was 18 and so they were big enough to put the house in order and they knew what their dad was doing it was something they had when I went to his funerals uh, uh, one of his sons said that you know you could always count on dad holding everything up to talk to talk to somebody about the Lord but anyway he was talking to me that night and when I was leaving after I had understood that that salvation was a free gift for by grace are you saved through faith, not, not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And John 3.16, which I heard quite a bit in the Episcopal Church, but never really put it together. Uh, for God so loved the world, to include my brother, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And and I'm I'm at peace. I was not at peace when my brother died. I was anything but at peace. I was anything but at peace when I went to that Bible study that night. But, but but God's plan of salvation, the gospel of the grace of God, has encouraged me greatly um, to a point where I can say with Paul, none of these things move me, but, but I count my life... I, but none of these things move me, neither do I count my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Acts 20, 24. But... but um, but I, I came to that Bible study with, with, I didn't need to know that Jesus was the Son of God. I didn't need to know that Jesus died on a cross. I didn't need to know that Jesus was rose from the dead. What I needed to know that was that salvation was, was my good works were dead. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. I needed to know those things. And that it was, it was free to everyone. That God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but I, and he used to know that there was a God of love that loved my brother, that loved my family, and offered salvation. The last place I saw my brother alive was an Episcopal church in, outside of uh, Dothan, Alabama, outside of Fort Rucker, Alabama. 
where he was stationed a lot as a helicopter pilot. Probably went to a command school there for helicopter company command in Vietnam. His third tour. But anyway, um, so I came with, with a lot of understanding. What I needed to know was basically that God loved me and mine, and really that he loved the world. That he, what he was offering me, he was offering to everyone. There was no special Pete Kingman deal. I definitely, I kind of got into it with a friend the other day. You got to know you're a sinner. I, you got to, you got to bring up the fact that you're a sinner. I, I knew I was a sinner. I, I, I knew that. Didn't save me to know I was a sinner. Uh, but it, it kind of brought peace to me because I, I didn't know anybody that wasn't. I didn't figure my parents were, you know, in lined up to go to heaven. I didn't think my brother, you know, anybody in my family was lined up to go to heaven. Any of my friends definitely weren't lined up to go to heaven, and I was just following them. And you know, I wouldn't use that as an excuse. I was a, just a follower. You know, what can I say? But um, anyway, I didn't follow them in this, and and uh, but I think my parents did. In the last, uh, when I got to talk to them, just weeks before each of them died. I was at peace with their understanding of the gospel of the grace of God. They put me at ease about that. I think they intentionally put me at ease about that. But um, anyway, um, I believe in uh, that there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. This is the old King James 19, is this a 1911? I, I, no, that's, that's a handgun. Anyway, I can't, I, I use that uh, more than I use when the King James was, uh, when was that? Anyway, whatever. Um, it's the old King James, but that's what I grew up with. That's what I wanted to memorize. I wanted to memorize the 23rd Psalm in the old King James and when I grew up with, uh, even in the Episcopal Church. But, uh, all right, well, I'm going to look for the off switch here. I've got to be my own engineer, which if you start making podcasts, you'll know what I'm talking about. Now i got to put in the code. But let me say adios, which in Spanish means to God. And let me say vaya con Dios, go with God. Good night to you. <laughs>